So last week we had church on the very first day of the year and it was fun being in this new space and starting at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. We had a focus on God's design for humanity. We talked about what on earth are, am I here for, are we here for, and we looked at five different purposes that God designed humanity for. And if you weren't here last week or you haven't heard that message, I want to encourage you to go to our website and check that out. Uh, I hit on just how God designed each one of us to reflect the glory of who he is. He made us in his image, in his likeness, so that we reflect him all over the earth. We talked about how God had, has designed humanity to reproduce. He said he blessed them and he said be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and have dominion over the earth. God's designed us to be fruitful. And we talked about if you're not married or you're past the age of bearing children or you can't have children, uh, one, one practical way that you can do that, that Jesus did that as a single man, completely fulfilling the purposes of God, was he made disciples. He took 12 men and he taught them and he trained them up and he raised them up and then he sent them out to go do the same thing. And he was fruitful and multiplied in that way. Uh, we also talked about last week how God has designed humanity to be responsible beings. God has created us to work, to do stuff with our hands, mental labor. Adam had to name all the animals. What a, what a, difficult, what a challenging mental job he had there. I mean, you look at, with no vocabulary for the rhinoceros, he had to come up with a name for the rhinoceros. Or the hippo, no vocabulary at all for it. You just come up with it, Adam. Okay, so he had mental labor to do, he had, to, he had a garden to tend, and he also had responsibility to obey God's command. And he disobeyed. Him and Eve both disobeyed. So God's designed humanity to be uh, uh, reflectors of his glory, of who he is, to, be, to reproduce, to be responsible beings. We talked about God, God designing humanity to be relational beings. God made us to be in this relationship with him and with one another. God himself is a relational being, a relational God. He, he says, let us make man in our own image. So the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's this, there's this everlasting relationship that's always been within the Trinity. And God says, let us make mankind. And God, God um, creates us in his image. And he says, God, in chapter 2, he, after he creates Adam, and Adam names all the animals, and there's no, no helper, no one suitable for him. He's, he's, already, he's looked at all the animals, and there's no one that's going to match up to, to do life with him. And God, and God says, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. And so God creates a helper that's suitable for Adam to do life with him. And both of them are made in the image of God. And so God's created us as relational beings. And the last thing we talked about is how God has designed each one of us to rest. In 2017, we need to find healthy rhythms of rest in our lives so we don't wear ourselves out and burn ourselves out. God himself rested on the seventh day, not because he broke a sweat and was tired and got weary, but because he, was, he sat back and he took it all in, he delighted in his creation, and he set a pattern for humanity to follow that we need to enter into rhythms of rest. And there's one more point that I want to add to that, because that was a long sermon last week, and this is going to, hopefully this won't be too long this week, but I, 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 
because this ties in, this point ties into what we're going to look at in chapter 12 with Abraham and God blessing Abraham. God has also designed humanity to be recipients of his blessing and to be conduits of his blessing. Okay? The blessing of God is a key theme throughout the book of Genesis. It starts in chapter 1 where it says God blessed them and he said be fruitful and multiply. And, and, and over and over you'll see as you're, if you're reading through the Bible plan with us, uh, you'll see that this, this idea of God blessing humanity keeps coming up. God blesses. It's just, it flows from who he is. He is loving and gracious and kind, and he loves to bless. He loves to give. He loves to serve. He loves to, to spread the love, if you will. And so we're, we're looking at Abraham, and God chooses this guy, and he blesses him. And he says, you will be a blessing. So God has designed humanity to be recipients of his blessing, recipients of his grace, and then to be conduits of it. We are not to be a cul-de-sac with the blessing of God as he showers down grace and mercy and blessing upon our lives. We are to be conduits. We are to let the blessing of God, the life of God, the wisdom of God, all the good things that God has invested into our lives and let them flow through our lives into others. And it should start, if you're married, it should start at home with your spouse. If you have children, it should start with your children. And it should flow, the blessing of God should flow through, your, through you and through your home, to your neighbors, to your co-workers. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we're here for. That's a part of our vision, by the way. One of the statements in our vision statement, know Jesus, love people, and impact your world. That's, that's what we're here for. We want to make an impact. And it starts with God impacting our lives with his goodness and his blessing. And then it's, it's like a domino effect. It just keeps going on and on and on. And that's what we're here for. And that's why we want to have families and disciple our children. We want them, we want to bless them and them to be a blessing. That's why we want to make disciples. We want to mentor other people and lead them into a, a genuine relationship with God. We want to teach them the ways of God and let the blessing of God flow through their lives. The life of God flow out of them like rivers of living water. That's what Jesus has called us to do and be. Conduits of his blessing. Amen? So with that said, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. The title of the message today is Living by Faith in a Faithful God. Living by Faith in a Faithful God. I'm going to pray and then we're going to read Genesis 12, 1 through 11. Father, thank you. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you that joy comes in the morning. Thank you that we can experience you here, God, that we can draw near to you and you will draw near to us. And as we open the pages of your inspired word, would you just breathe upon us, God? Would you speak to us through your living word by your spirit, God, and speak to our hearts, God, and give us life, and give us faith, and give us strength, and give us hope, and give us grace. And may there be a ripple effect, God, throughout our lives. Throughout this week, throughout this year. Like wave upon wave of your goodness and grace flowing through our lives. 
just like you blessed Abraham and you worked through his life, would you, just like Abraham encountered you and you spoke to him and he met with you and he was a friend of yours, God, that we would experience you here today and encounter you here today and be changed. And may we believe you and obey your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 12. And now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he had moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negebah. Okay, so here's the, here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. It's simply this, that God is faithful to all his promises and he's worthy of our trust. And Abraham is an example of a life that is fully convinced that God is faithful and able to do what he promises. God is faithful. We sang beautifully. We sang about that tonight, to this morning uh, in our songs. God is a faithful God. He is consistent. He is reliable. And, and we see in Abraham's life, we see a faithful God, the, the display of God's faithfulness. Abraham's faith was in his faithful God. You see, Abraham was, is called the father of faith, even in the New Testament. The largest religion, uh, so Christianity which is the largest religion, Islam and Judaism each identify themselves with Abraham and trace back to this character Abraham in the Bible. His name has been made great in, in, in a couple of different senses. Like this guy is looked up to. And what, what we have in scripture is we have a beautiful example of a life who trusted God and walked with God. And you know what the Bible also doesn't hold back is his failures. So we, we, have, we have the whole thing, the warts and all. So we have the victories and the failures involved. That's one of the things I love about the scriptures. The Bible doesn't hold back any punches. and It's, 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 it's authentic. It's real. And, and, and it'll, it will record the failures of the, its heroes because ultimately God is the big hero of the Bible. And it displays God's goodness and God's faithfulness in the scripture. So this is where we're going. So God is faithful to all his promises. So this is, this is a key verse, this section right here. This is key because in Genesis we see God creating the world. Good, 
Genesis chapter 1. He makes it good. He blesses humanity. And humanity takes the goodness and the blessings of God and they just make a wreck with it. They just mess it up. And then next thing you know, they're, they're afraid, they're ashamed, they're naked, they're hiding from God. Next thing you know, Adam and Eve have a kid, and then one of their sons kills the other son. Cain kills Abel. And then the world, they, they multiply on the earth, and the world grows and grows, and wickedness grows. Sin spreads throughout the world, and the very beauty and goodness of God's design gets distorted so much to the point in Genesis 6 where God says he regrets that he even made mankind. And he destroys the world, but he chooses Noah and his family, and he saves them. He destroys the world, and he starts over with Noah and his family, and he blesses them, and they multiply. And then we have, in, in Genesis chapter 11, this Tower of Babel where the, there's this evil intention of trying the people trying to make a great name for themselves and build a tower up to God, and God confuses the languages. So so we have that leading up to this, and we have the curse of sin and the corruption of sin spreading throughout all creation. And what we see here is we see God working to redeem and reverse the curse of sin and bring blessing in spite of humanity's rebellion against their creator. And so God starts with this guy, Abraham. God chooses Abraham. Abraham came from a pagan background. His family were pagan worshipers, uh, moon, moon worshipers. And, and God chooses this guy. He didn't do anything to, to merit God coming to him and appearing to him and speaking to him. I love this. God just shows up in the history of Abraham's life and speaks to him graciously. And by the way, if you have a relationship with God, it is by grace and mercy that he has broken in to the heart through the hardness of your heart and opened your eyes and opened your ears to hear him. He has been gracious to you. And that's, that's what we see here with Abraham. God shows up. God speaks to this guy and he says, go from your country and from your, your kindred, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. This is, this is a foundational verse for global missions. This is foundational for global missions. Missiologists will turn to this and point to this and and highlight the reality that God has this big, massive, global plan of blessing the whole earth, of redeeming people from every tribe and every tongue, Revelation 5, that will be around the throne worshiping God. God says, I'm going to bless you, and all, through, you through your seed all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so God calls Abraham to go. He calls him to get out of his comfort zone. And how many of you know if you're going to follow God, he's going to call you to get out of your comfort zone. He's going to call you to do things that are hard, that are challenging, that, that you just have to get out of the boat. Don't think it's going to be smooth and easy if you're going to follow Jesus. Okay? God calls us to live lives of risk, lives of sacrifice, so that we can be a blessing, so that we can participate in his plan to bless others through our lives. Amen? So missionaries identify with these words that God spoke to Abraham because Abraham had to trust God. He didn't know where he was going. He was leaving the security and the comfort of his family. Can you just think about that for a moment, if that was you? If this evening God speaks to you as you're going to bed and God says, I want you to leave your hometown and I want you to go on the other side of the world and I want you to reach Muslims 
with the gospel and bring your family with you. Go for it. You can do it. I'll be with you. I'll bless you. How would that feel? It'd be challenging. We have a family here, Chad and Nancy Bradley. They're downstairs serving with little lights right now. But they are planning, just like Abraham, they are planning to go from their country, to leave their family, to leave their place of comfort. Nancy's mother's here today. And they're planning to go to Ethiopia and make disciples there and invest in theological training for Ethiopians there so that the gospel can spread and change lives there in Ethiopia where it's much needed. So in around August, they're planning to, to go and trust God to do so. Just like every missionary who leaves their country and goes on across the sea to reach folks, they have to trust God. They may not know what the details are going to look like. Abraham did not know what the details would look like. But he believed God and he obeyed God and he went. And God blessed him. God took care of him. God just showered down blessings in spite of his failures. So notice this, that God says, um, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So there's a personal blessing here for Abraham. There is a national blessing here. God was through Abraham. We have the Israelites, the Hebrew people. See, Jews are traced back to Abraham. So Arabs are as well. They're, they're traced back through Ishmael, Abraham's other son. So Ishmael and Isaac, the promise was made through Sarah and through Isaac. God says, I will bless you and make your name great. I will make you a great nation. So this guy is, what, 75 years old, it says? This guy is old. This guy is really, really old. And God shows up and says, you're going to have lots of kids, Abraham. I mean, if you were, a, a, just think, if you were a family member or a friend of Abraham, you would have probably thought, this guy has dementia. This guy has lost his mind. He does not know what he's talking about. Abraham, where are you going? You're packing up. You're leaving. You're, you're 75 years old. Where are you going, man? God told me to go. I mean, can you just imagine what the conversations would have sounded like with Abraham and his family? You know? So he's packing up. He's going. And he's just trusting that God's going to fulfill this promise. God's going to bring this to pass. So there is a personal blessing here. There's a national blessing here. God was going to bless this nation, Israel, and, and work through Israel. And Israel was to be, uh, as Isaiah tells us, they were to be a light to the nations, to the Gentiles, that God was going to work through them. And then there's this international blessing. God is planning to bless the whole world. I love the fact that our name here is City Church International. Because God is an international God, a global God who has a plan for the whole world. Not just one city or one church, but the whole world. And he wants disciples to be made of all nations. He wants to bless the nations. He wants everybody to experience him and know him and love him and worship him and be in relationship with him. And so there's this, there's this wave of blessing that God is promising here. This is going to happen, Abraham. Abraham leaves he goes, here's my first point. God's faithfulness is displayed in keeping his promises and covenants that he has made. So, so God was faithful to Abraham. God says, you're going to have kids. It doesn't make sense. Even Abraham's name meant father, you know, and we call him the father of faith as well. And so it's like, it must have been painful for him. Like it just didn't make sense. Sarah, his wife was old. And so God promises through him, he's going to have lots of kids and there was going to be a blessing. 
And so in the New Testament, now check this out, New Testament, Galatians chapter 3, Paul picks up this theme. And I want you to see this because Christ fulfills, he fulfills the promises, he fulfills the, 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 the covenant. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. How many Gentiles do we have here today? Any Jewish people in here today? Okay, if you're not Jewish, then you're a Gentile. Okay, so raise your hand. That the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Christ died, Paul's saying here, one of the reasons Christ died was so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon us in Christ Jesus. And Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We are blessed. And we are to be a blessing to those around us. Amen? So that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. There's a blessing right there. You get God to live, the Spirit of God to live inside of you. And have relationship with God and God speak to you and lead you and convict you and comfort you. To give us a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to his offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. This is awesome here. This is profound here that Christ was born as a Jewish man and lived a, a life as a human being, was tempted, was tested, never sinned, never sinned once, so didn't deserve the judgment of death. But he stepped in our place and took the cross and took death row for you and me. And he fulfills this promise. And he brings the blessing of God to us who believe. To us who, like Abraham, responded to God in faith. God said it and we believe it. Christ makes us righteous. He imputes righteousness to our lives. He accounts righteousness to our lives. And we don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We haven't merited it. He accounts it to our life, just like with Abraham. So this is awesome. Uh, there, there's Romans chapter 4, there's Hebrews 11, there's this Galatians passage. Abraham comes up a lot in the New Testament and throughout the Bible. So check this out. In Genesis chapter 15, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 15. We'll read that real quick. So here's the, the next, next part. So we looked at God's faithfulness through the life of Abraham. God fulfilled the promise. God walked with Abraham. God protected the promise. He protected the covenant. And the way that God displays his faithfulness is through the covenants that he keeps and through the promises that he keeps. When God says something, he's going to do it. Okay, take him seriously. He is a person of his word and we should be too. That's why Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We're to be like God. We're to reflect God in his faithfulness. Husbands and wives, you stood before God and family and friends and you made a vow and a covenant to your wife before God that you would be with your spouse for the rest of your life. Till death do you part, sickness and health. There's a covenant that we are called to be faithful to in marriage. And it reflects the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. It's beautiful. And so God calls us like Abraham to respond to his faithfulness by being a faithful people. And because God is faithful, and because we have a relationship with him, 
We've entered into covenant and he keeps his covenant. He fulfills his side of it. And by the way, this this in Genesis 12, this was a this was an unconditional covenant. God didn't have any conditions on in Genesis 12. He, it didn't say when there's a condition, it says, if if you do this, I'll do this. Like in, in Deuteronomy 28 with the Mosaic covenant with the Israelites. If you obey, I'll bless you. If you disobey, I, I will I'll get you. And praise God, we're not living under that Mosaic covenant. Amen. Because that's what we all deserve is God's judgment. And so so Abraham believed God. So Genesis chapter 15, let's let's go here. So God has displayed his faithfulness. And I just I want to highlight that that should be a whole sermon in and of itself. God has displayed his covenant, his faithfulness in keeping covenant and keeping his promises you can take his promises to the bank. Amen. He's not going to write you a hot check. All right. He's not going to tell you. He's not going to tell you, hey, I'll take care of you. And then you get, you get there and it's like, oh, what's up, God? You left me hanging. He's not going to do you like that. All right. He's faithful. He's faithful to what he says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven, number and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so your offspring will be, verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, bring me a heifer of three years old. A female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove and a pigeon. And he brought him and he brought him all these and cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. And he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcass, Abram drove them away and so on. So God made a covenant with Abraham. Okay, God is throughout the throughout the Bible. You'll see that God is a God of covenant. That's why we watched this video this morning. That there's this idea of covenant throughout the Bible, and it conveys the faithfulness of God. God delivers on what He says, and and yet there are there are covenants that that humanity has a responsibility, and that the, that on our side we have a response. With Abraham, it was just simply to believe, believe, have faith. And, and, and because of that, it was accounted to him as righteousness. So Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So this is, this is foundational to understanding the gospel. This is foundational for anybody having a right relationship with God. In Romans chapter 4, when, when Paul is explaining the gospel and explaining how somebody gets right with God, he emphasizes, he points to Abraham. He says, Abraham believed God. And was made right with God by faith. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Can you just imagine that? Just imagine that this old couple, a hundred years old, like 
a century years old and they're they're like thinking they're going to have a baby. And they do. And they do have a baby. Verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith faith was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham's faith was in his faithful God. You see, we all have faith in something and we exercise it. If you're sitting in that chair right now, you put faith in that chair to hold you up. If you got in your car this morning, you put faith in the car, you turned the key with, in faith that it would work and that you would get here. If you wrote, used the elevator this morning, you put faith in that elevator to get you upstairs here. So we exercise faith in many things, but it's most important that we put our faith in something or someone that is faithful, namely God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the sustainer of our faith. He's the substance of our faith. We put our faith in him who's our rock, who's unchanging, who's faithful, who's consistent. He's faithful to forgive us when we fail. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's faithful to not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able But with each temptation, he will make a way of escape that we may be able to endure it. So God is faithful, and our faith is just a response to his faithfulness and his faithful word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Uh, By the way, God blessed Abraham, and, and Abraham was rich. Okay, But be careful that you don't equate the blessing of God always with riches or material. Because Jesus wasn't rich, right? He was blessed by the Father. All right, and many other godly saints throughout history had the blessing of God, but they didn't have wealth to accompany with the blessing of God. But let me just say this about that. God is sovereign, and he can bless somebody with riches, with whoever he wants with riches. He has a sovereign right to do that. And sometimes they're, they're good for us, and sometimes they're really bad for us because we, we, we make poor decisions with the riches that he gives. So anyways... God, God did bless Abraham with a lot. But, so imagine, so this idea of he accounted righteousness to his count. God has downloaded the righteousness of Jesus Christ into our account. So before him, legally and positionally, we are made right with God by faith. By grace through faith. Amen. We just believe. Abraham's life teaches us this. This is a gospel, foundational gospel truth. And from that place of faith, Abraham obeyed God. By faith, he obeyed when he was called. Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham made it to the hall of faith. He was included in there. He got got several verses of ink in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And by faith, Abraham obeyed. You see, our faith, one, it, it starts with hearing God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We hear God, we believe God, and then it, the next step, should we, we should obey God. If, if we're hearing God and we're writing all this awesome stuff in our journals and we're sharing with people what we're hearing from God, but we're not taking action on it, there's a big problem. Don't, don't think you're blessed if you're just hearing God and you're not obeying. Jesus said, you know these things to his disciples, but blessed are you if you do them. So we should act upon what we hear from God. By faith, Abraham obeyed God when he was called to go out to the place which 
he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has its foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So by faith, he went. By faith, he waited. We're told in Hebrews 6 that we are to imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. Abraham's an example to imitate for us, his faith and patience. I mean, we, get, we go to fast food restaurant and we get impatient if it takes five minutes to get our burger and fries. We're like, come on, man, hurry up. Or Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A waffle fries and a chicken sandwich and a, and a lemonade. And you're waiting for, for that, and it's like you get impatient. Our culture is like that because we've, we've, we've gotten so trained to convenience and, and getting stuff right away. It's not go kill the chicken and then cook the chicken and then eat the chicken. It's like go pay seven bucks and get the chicken from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you know? Abraham waited for years. He waited for years in faith. And we have to do the same often. God will speak things to us. Um, there are prayers. You know, oftentimes God doesn't answer our prayers right away. Sometimes it's yes and he gives us, a, you know, sometimes it's no because we're not praying for the right thing or not according to his will. And then sometimes it's, it's wait, you know. Yes, no, just wait. Just wait. Yeah, yes, but wait, you know. And so God calls us to wait. If you're a parent, you want to teach your children that. Wait. Wait, believe me, son or daughter, I'm going to, I'm going to act. I'm going to give you what's good. I'm going to take care of you. Just wait patiently, son. It's going to be all right. Don't whine while you wait. Wait patiently. Enjoy your wait. Play with something. Be nice to your sisters. (laughs) Make the most out of your wait while you're waiting. Throughout the Bible, God calls his people to wait. Wait on the Lord. It's good for us to wait. All right, but we don't like it. We're like, I want it now. And then we use our credit card and get ourselves in trouble to get it now. So Abraham's faith was in his faithful God. Abraham also experienced friendship with God. I love this. James 2.23 says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. How would you like that to be said about you? That you're called a friend of God. Mark, that brother is a friend of God. Kevin, that brother is a friend of God. Chewy, that brother is a friend of God. How would you like that to be spoken over you? You're a friend of God. Well, you know, Jesus in the New Testament told his disciples, you are my friends if you do what I command you. John 15. So friends of God, obey God. Friends of God, believe God. Obey God. Friends of God, fear God. Psalm 25, 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. There's Abraham right there. That brother feared God. He feared God. He revered God. He, he, he believed God. He obeyed God. He feared God. And throughout Genesis, as you read his story, he encounters God. God speaks to him or the Lord appears to him. And then he responds. He makes an altar and he offers up a sacrifice to God over and over throughout his story. He has this relationship with God. God's going to do something and God says, Hey, I got to tell Abraham about this. I got to tell Abraham. How, how can I withhold this from Abraham? Like destroy, destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. 
And God tells Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, your, your nephew Lot. He's there. Abraham's like, he prays. He intercedes. He has this dialogue with God like, come on, God, don't, don't take them out, please. If, what if there's 50 righteous there? God's like, no, no. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? And so on. And there, there wasn't. And so God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, but he spares righteous Lot. He spares Lot. And so Abraham had this. This open door with God, if you will. He could pour out his heart to God. He could trust God with his hopes, his dreams, his fears. God was his promise to be his shield, to be his protector, to be his provider, to to guide him, to lead him, to speak to him. He had that tight relationship with God. And you and I, if we're Christians, we have that with God. We can go to him anytime. We have that open door with him. God has become our Father. Christ has become our Lord and Savior and even brother. And we can go to Him. The Holy Spirit has become our helper, our comforter, our guide to lead us and guide us and teach us in the truth. And so Abraham had this friendship with God. And I want to encourage you this year to pursue friendship with God. Pursue relationship with God. As you read through your Bible plan, don't just read it off to check it off. Well, read my little Bible plan today. I'm so spiritual. I'll be able to say yes when Pastor Keith asks me, have I read my Bible plan? Don't just aim to get the task done. Aim to, to know God. Don't just try to be responsible in keeping the, the Bible reading plan. Aim to have that relationship with Him. That's what He wants. That's what we need. That's the point of this. You know, I don't want everybody to just, you know, check off the box. I want, every, I want us to, to know Jesus, know Him better. And then to love people and impact our world. But it starts with knowing Him. It starts with that relationship with God and letting His blessing flow through us if we're going to impact the world. And man, we want to impact the world this, in 2017. We want to impact this neighborhood in 2017. Amen? That's another sermon. So Abraham experienced failure. <laughs> I, <laughs> this might turn into a, a, another sermon. Next week, we might. We'll see. Uh, Abraham experienced failure. I love this. As I said earlier, God doesn't uh, whitewash the, the heroes of the Bible. He, the Bible doesn't hold back in, in recording and sharing the failures of its heroes. I mean, David killed a guy, committed adultery. Moses killed a guy. Uh, Peter denied Jesus and so on. Abraham, he lied. He lied about uh, his wife, Sarah. Uh, when, when he went, God says, go, go from your family, from your kindred. Go. He brings Lot with him. So, like, he obeys, but there's, like, still, there's some, there's some areas where Abraham failed. He lied. Two times he lied about Sarai or Sarah being his wife. Okay, so Sarah was his half-sister, okay? I know it's kind of weird. So there was a half-truth in that. It was his half-sister. And so Abraham, trying to protect himself, thinking, well, she's beautiful. These guys in Egypt, Pharaoh, he'll, he'll take me out if, I, if, you know, if he wants her. So he says, Sarah, just, just tell him you're my sister. It's true, partly, you know. But he's also your, your wife, you know. And so Abraham, in his cowardice, does that. I mean, wife, just think about it. If, if your husband did that, he would be in big trouble. Just think how Sarah feels. I mean, she's like, she's like about to get married to Pharaoh, and Abraham's like, 
abandoned her, and he's just like having a good time hanging with all the highballers, eating good meals, and then like get, gets blessings and riches from Pharaoh, while she's like, oh, I'm about to get married to this Pharaoh guy or whatever. So there's a threat to the promise. Again, we, we see the, a threat to the promise of God here. Abraham fails to lead as the husband that God called him to, to lead as. God worked through Abraham's faith to bring about his promises, but he also worked in spite of Abraham's failure to bring about his promises. You see, God is faithful even when we're faithless. God is faithful even when we fail to obey him fully. God is faithful. And he will keep his promises. He will keep up. He's the hero of the Bible. Yes, Abraham has faith for us to model. And, and God has identified him as, he says, God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham is the father of faith. He's made his name great. But God's the hero. God's the one who never fails, who will never leave us nor forsake us, never disappoint us, never let us down, never write us a hot check. You can trust him. Amen? So God worked out his plan. Uh, he also, Abraham also heeded the voice of his wife, uh, Sarah, and took Hagar. So Sarah is like, okay, well, I'm old, you're old. Maybe you can just marry my servant, Hagar. And so Abraham does it. He says, okay. And they sleep together and they have a baby, Ishmael. And, and by the way, there's conflict today. We got the Arab people that come from the line of Ishmael and the Arabs and the Jews are still to this day in conflict. So Abraham creates an Ishmael. God still blesses him. God still works through that. And God works in spite of his failure. But don't beware that you and I beware that you don't try to help God out as you're waiting for him to fulfill your, his plans and promises in your life. Be aware of trying to help God out, leaning on your own understanding. I got an idea. Why don't we just try this? Trust God to do the impossible in your life and through your life. Don't create an Ishmael because you get impatient and you want to make something happen. So Abraham failed. Abraham failed. And I love that the Bible doesn't hold back those kinds of things. That there were, there were significant failures that if we were God, we would just wipe folks out and just start over with another person. Like over and over, not just at Genesis 6, but like, forget you, Moses, forget you, David. For, I mean, just we would get impatient. But God is so gracious and so patient and so faithful even when we are faithless. Amen? So in closing here, I just want to look at five points of application here. So believe the promises that God has given us, given you in Christ. You and I have great, exceedingly great promises in Christ. And all those promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Believe those. Take them to the bank. Pray those to God. Say, God, you said this. I believe it. I don't feel it. It doesn't seem to be working out here, but you said it. I believe it, God. Believe his word. Believe his promises in regards to prayer. Believe his promises in regards to him forgiving all your sins. Believe his promises in regards to eternal life and everlasting salvation with him. 
believe His promises that He's going to work all things together for your good. Even though you don't see how it can work out, you've made a mess with your circumstances, with your family. Trust Him that He causes all things to work together for the good. Believe His promises. Expect to hear God's voice and seek, seek to hear His voice as you read through His inspired Word. As we're reading through the Bible, don't just do it to check it off the list, but seek to hear God's voice in His inspired Word. He speaks to us through His Word. And he can speak through us, he, he can speak to us outside of his word. By the way, Abraham didn't have a leather bound ESV study Bible when God spoke to him. He didn't have that. But God spoke to him. God is not limited by the pages of a book. But he's chosen to reveal himself through the pages of his inspired word. And we should camp out there. We should feast there because we have God's story. We have God's word inspired by him. For us to read and feed on. Pour out your heart to God and trust God with your life, with your hopes, with your dreams, with your fears as we sang here today. Uh, Psalm 62, pour out your heart to God and trust Him at all times, peoples. Trust Him. Avoid trying to help God out by doing something that He hasn't called you to do. And then view your blessings from God as a means to be a blessing to others and bring glory to God. View your blessings that you have, whether it's spiritual blessings or, or even material blessings or intellectual blessings or favor you have, open doors you have, authority you have, the home you have, the resources you have. View those not as a cul-de-sac for you to just collect them all in, but as a means to be a blessing to more people and bring glory to God. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life of Abraham. And oh, how, it's, how we need to live our life, lives of faith like that. And so, Lord, would you come and strengthen, strengthen our faith. Strengthen us, God. May we grow in trusting you. Just like Abraham grew in it, there was a process, there was a waiting where he walked with you and he he continued to hear from you and encounter you and and be reassured that you're going to come through. But he needed that. He needed that reassurance. He needed reminders. He needed to hear from you. I pray that we would hear from you, God. That we would believe, that we would obey. And that we would be a blessing to many for your namesake and for the sake of the world bless us God and cause your face to shine upon us so that the nations might trust in you that the nations might fear you that that salvation might be known and experienced throughout every nation in Jesus name